welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly Doof Network dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are back after just two weeks to talk about Mindhunter. Yeah. Um, so, un- unfortunately, I only made it through season one mm. uh, for this. I was really hoping to fit in season two as well, because I know that's probably what everyone wants to talk about more, because it's, <laughs> it's more new. Um but unfortunately, I'm only prepared to talk about season one. That's all right. That's a fair assumption. Two weeks to get through a season is still pretty good, um, especially a season of TV that I think is kind of defined by going slowly and deliberately. Mindhunter, I don't think, is a show that suits binging that well. No. I, I watched a couple of episodes in pairs, um, but like never more than that. As you said, like it's, it's not a binge show. It's it's a show I watched an, an episode of every day, or, or you know pairs of episodes on some days, uh, and that that felt like enough. Mm, yeah. Um, but anyway, so, so to get to get into the plot summary, yep. um, as as we tend to do, uh, we sort of touched on this in the prescription. It's um, you know loosely based on the story of the team that sort of formed the uh, like criminal psychology sort of department in the FBI, like starting to, to really sort of do in-depth criminal profiling yep. um, that went beyond just a, a, a fairly basic understanding of people who are just naturally criminals yes. uh, and people who have just sort of gone in, you know, temporarily insane, I think is sort of how they phrase it. Um, <laughs> and they, they basically develop the, the concept of like psychopaths and sociopaths and serial killers. Uh, in fact, that's that's right at the end of season one as they invent the the term serial killer. Yeah, they keep calling it sequence killers before. It then, sounds right? so wrong. I know it's so clunky <laughs> of a phrase, but I, that's what it was. I don't know. But like, I, I really like that as uh, again, it was it was a perfect embodiment of Holden's character because um, like you know clunky and not very catchy is is sort of him to a t yeah um so yeah something i didn't realize until somebody actually pointed it out to me with this is um a lot of the people they're meeting in this season are actually like real serial killers not not the actors but yeah actors playing actual famous serial killers so there's a big one um throughout a lot of the season there they're interacting with this serial killer called ed kemper yeah um who is actually like a real serial killer and in fact somebody sent me a photo of the real ed camper yeah uh, ne- next to the actor and uh they they did an incredible it's pretty job. incredible isn't it that's something that there is very consistently great is you look at the photos of these serial killers and the actors seem to have captured their mannerisms and their look and you know obviously this is you know the makeup team and everything all together but it really does capture their their vibe so well yeah yeah, absolutely. It leads um, to this weird feeling where, I, I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure this is intentional. Mindhunter feels kind of like an evolution of the, you know, the Netflix true crime drama. Things like, you know, making a murderer and stuff like that, where this is kind of the, it's still dramatized, but in a very different way. I don't know. It's it's an interesting evolution of the format. No, you're right. I, it's, it's tapping into that same weird fact which is that serial killers are so fucking captivating yes and uh, like I, I don't know i don't think i'm the only person who's like a little freaked out by how into serial killer stuff i get yeah um, like like serial the podcast obviously took off so i know i'm not yes. alone in this stuff um but like there's it, it, there's something so weirdly captivating about stuff that studies the psychology of people who are so th- their minds are so fundamentally differently built to us like there's something alien and captivating about someone who's so detached from like certain parts of humanity well yes and this is something that i think is interesting about 
uh, this show is Holden Ford as a character is kind of a, a a criticism of like serial killer obsession, right? Because he as a character yeah. is defined by you know as as the story progresses, he falls more and more into the world and the mindset of serial killers in a way that becomes quite creepy, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we'll get there. I guess I'll just round out sort of the, the over, overarching plot summary, and then yeah. and then yeah, I want to dive into each character. Um, yeah. So basically, sort of the the more detailed plot is um this this guy called Holden ends up sort of teaching at FBI's like training center and starts to become obsessed with um these ideas of of criminal sort of profiles. In, in particular, there yeah. are these cases where there is. You know, the FBI just says, oh, there is no motive. It's just people being crazy. Yeah. And uh, Holden doesn't really buy that. And then he meets uh, this girl, Debbie, who becomes his girlfriend for the whole rest of the season, um, who sort of steers him in this idea of, or steers him in this direction of learning more about psychology to, to see if he can unlock what the motives are. Yeah. Um, this puts him in touch with the, uh, you know, grumpy old guy who runs the behavioral science unit uh at, at the fbi which he joins called bill tench and together the two of them start to find examples um mostly ed camper of this kind of third class of criminal um whose whose motives the fbi currently can't explain uh they team up with an academic professor named wendy carr mm-hmm. um, and the three of them uh, start to form what ends up being quite a successful project to start to classify the behaviors of serial killers and all you know uh, bits bits of their sort of general trends and stuff. Yeah. Um. And and you know mixed in among all that, their personal lives come into it, or or, or you know sometimes lack thereof. Um. <laughs> and, and so it's kind of a. It, I think really the show is a character study of the three of them. Yes. Probably primarily Holden. Um, and, and you touched on this in the prescription. Like the serial killer stuff is the setting that is used to drive the character study of these three. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it is about the way that they are navigating basically a, a new field. Um, and so it's, yeah. a, a lot of my favorite parts are just the ways that they have to evolve their processes over time in order to try and maintain some level of uh, consistent science around what they're encountering, which has kind of defied previous uh, understanding. Yeah, and and I like there's there's some good fun dramatic irony built around that because I think, and maybe you know this is just because I've watched so much other serial killer stuff, but you know you hear things like the. Um, you know the the bed wedding or or yes. um, you know stuff like how Ed Kemper was obsessed with law enforcement and that's something we'll touch on later. This idea that um, there's often a tie between these sorts of criminal uh, psychopaths and law enforcement um, and uh, uh, like all this stuff that is kind of so inherently tied to serial killer law in in my mind and, yeah. and sort of getting to watch them sort of discover it was kind of fun like like i i feel like there was some yeah i don't know if dramatic irony is quite the right word because it, it more felt like i i had knowledge they didn't and i was enjoying watching them learn it as opposed to watching it screw them over which i feel is like how i usually use dramatic irony maybe i'm just using the term wrong yeah <laughs> no i i i do think it is uh there's the knowledge that we as the audience have that the characters just don't have um yeah. like the word serial killer <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's a good example um and 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 obviously something that the show does a lot is you know it's set in uh, i think the mid to late 70s Mm -hmm. um 
And so, you know, a lot of other people and, and the FBI institution are not as progressive as they could be. Yes. Um, so they're, they're, the show gets to build a very good sense of, like, they're fighting a, a shit system. Like, the way... It's the way a lot of people going about go about dismissing them that makes their cause feel extra virtuous, despite some of the skeevier parts of it. Because yes, we we know they're right, and we know that these other people are just being kind of intolerant assholes about it. Yeah, uh, so it makes it easier to just get on side with them. Yeah, um, I think that these three characters are all ones that that ascribe to you know pretty modern uh, value sets, right? Um, especially. Yeah. Uh, Wendy, who is an academic, and so it's really easy to take their side against what yeah. is still quite a unfair and unequal world. Yeah, although I love um, I, 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 like Hol- Holden and and Bill are, are sort of more interesting in that in that in some ways they're very traditional. Or yes, Holden I wouldn't call him traditional as much as just maybe naive. Yes, um, and Debbie Debbie has a lot to do with with you know breaking him out of that. Um, but. Yeah, as we sort of touched on, this is a show that I felt was really about these three core people, Holden, Bill, and, and Wendy. Yeah. Um, And I, I really liked the dynamic between the three of them, because I think once it got far enough to the point where all three of them were working full-time on this project, which is, you know, only halfway through the season, um, it, there was really interesting office politics just between the three of them, because all three of them had sort of had very different ideas about what exactly the project was trying to achieve and what the right way to go about it was like, yeah i thought i thought it was you know sometimes it just felt like it was so messy but then i sort of realized that that's kind of the point is like these three were just at the same time on the same page but also on very different pages uh, like on on how they should achieve this shared goal yeah definitely um i think it's the three of them versus the world but then it also definitely has this the aspect of you know uh, Holden is really basically just fluking his way through the dark, and obviously has some natural talent that allows him to succeed in that. Whereas uh, Wendy and Bill are trying to play things safer and more structural in a very interesting way, um, and they all play off each other yeah. very interestingly because of it. Yeah, well, yeah, and and Wendy's so academically focused. Uh, Holden is is yeah sort of as you said really wants to make a big difference and kind of is stuck on this idea of the preemptive nature of it and then Bill Bill just kind of sees that you know Holden's right there's something here that the FBI doesn't have and I kind of think he doesn't want to overhaul things as much he just wants to fill in a gap that he says that the FBI has whereas the other two are a bit more revolutionary about yeah. the whole thing it seems that Bill's motivation is actually just trying to prevent or uh, solve crimes, right? Whereas the other two yep. are kind of on a whole other wavelength. Yeah, exactly. And, and 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 those two are on different wavelengths from each other as well. So like just that, that, that sort of friction between the three of them as they also simultaneously work together against everyone else, um, it, it, like really makes the show more engaging than, than it would be otherwise, I think. Yeah. Um, so um, of the three, who's your fave? I mean, it... it feels a bit boring because he's obviously the main focus but i i found holden probably the most captivating um i mean his name's holden ford so i'm a little bit annoyed that they didn't make him a car person <laughs> uh for those of you not in the know those are two uh australian car brands and that is what he's named after which is a bit weird but oh, really? uh, once you get past that <laughs> um i wasn't sure if that was on purpose or not um but yeah he um I mean, obviously, a, a huge part of Holden's arc is that the, towards the end, as you said, he sinks into this world a bit much. And, and honestly, I think there's even implications, like, like something that is very sort of common parlance in a lot of the serial killer stuff on TV is this idea that 
um, a lot of these serial killers are naturally drawn to law enforcement because yeah. it shares a lot of the same power dynamic sort of uh, emphasis and obviously, you know, can help them avoid crime. Um, so I, I felt like there was this undercurrent of an implication throughout the whole season that Holden was maybe a bit bit further along this uh, serial killer spectrum than, yes. than anyone around him realized. Um, it, like, particularly the, the way the emphasis of the first half of the season is just how this stuff doesn't really seem to phase him. Yeah. Um, and this starts to manifest in the second half by him becoming kind of overly confident and risk-taking and, and, you know, displaying more and more of the symptoms of, of, you know, one of, one of these sociopaths basically. Yeah. Um, to the extent that he's able to kind of slip into the mindset of a sociopath in order to, uh, kind of convince them that he's one of them. (laughs) And he does that very convincingly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It gets to that point where like Bill, I I think there's a quote where Bill's just sort of like, "I I think you're thinking in the right direction, but I'm uncomfortable with how easily you're doing it yeah um and that that's basically the vibe of the second half of the season is this idea of getting into these people's heads is important for solving the crimes but uh it's a very dangerous line to to walk and that's i'm assuming where holden's arc might be going in season two because Mm. he's he's stepped way way past that line from the looks of it um i mean the season ends with ed kemper like hugging him and saying that they're they're very similar and they're friends (laughs) and he kind of like seemingly just has a panic attack as a result yeah it's the most intense hug that has ever existed (laughs) so fucking terrifying well yeah i was genuinely unsure whether ed was going to kill him or not and then it was a hug and i was like oh this is even better um so Um, i I mean the other the only other thing i could sort of see holden maybe doing in season two is this idea of him trying to recover and it would be really fun because i think bill would be the person to lead him out of that and that'd be mm. a, a really fun sort of return to the mentor-mentee dynamic they started with early yes. on but in a very different flavor yes definitely completely different flavor um yeah i think holden is such an interesting character and um well i, I don't know how well i can speak to this but uh, i think his character is basically the result of uh, david fincher the the creator of this show kind of putting himself into this world a bit um david fincher is a notorious perfectionist and kind of pushes the envelope on uh his films in a lot of ways and i think i've read a lot of stuff about uh how ford is kind of a reflection of uh, fincher's thoughts about himself in a different field yeah i yeah okay i mean i don't know much about david fincher but like i can totally i, I can totally see sort of what you're getting at like uh <laughs> You know what I, you need, Elliot? You need some kind of series deconstructing all of David Fincher's <laughs> works. More well, on that wherever, later. <laughs> wherever would I find such a thing? Um, yeah, no, I can, I can sort of see that because you're right. Holden feels like an exploration of what being meticulous in, in this sort of field leads to. Yeah. Um, and as I sort of touched on, I think there's also a subtle undercurrent there that, um, you know, he was maybe already heading in this direction on some yes. level. Um because you know something that this show even briefly addresses and and something i've read articles on in the past is the idea that um you know a lot of ceos exhibit similar symptoms to some serial killers like yes it's this whole idea of um it depends basically on your upbringing um where where you end up and and you know you know so i could see an implication that holden is just on the ceo uh, side yeah um but yeah so i don't know I, i i very much enjoyed watching holden's descent uh in this season alongside his victories and i'm I'm keen to see where he goes in season two. I think 
about halfway through uh, these two weeks, uh, the news came out that season three is kind of indefinitely on hold. <sighs> yeah. Um, so that was a bummer. Sad news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you hadn't heard that, basically, uh, David Fincher has got some other projects that he's really excited about. And so in what is, you know, probably the right move, he's released the cast from their contract so that they can do other stuff while he's doing other stuff. Doesn't mean that the show is dead, but it is a step towards it. It's basically a step away from season three happening soon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, the actors being off contracts isn't good because then if they get other contracts, then um, yes. it makes it harder to schedule. Yes. Um, and obviously, David Fincher was not unsuccessful before Mindhunter, but if he's getting more and more projects, you know, he's... Uh, I, like, I don't think he's going to be wanting for projects uh, at any point. Yes, although I do think this was something that, that he championed um, and that he found very interesting. Uh, yeah. So it's not... You know, it's not necessarily that Netflix won't be able to get him back. Uh, I do think <laughs> this is a show that he holds a lot of love for. It's just, you know, after you've worked on something for two years and you have a theoretical five seasons planned, it gets harder and harder to keep going for those five, right? Yeah, that's fair. Um, I didn't, I didn't know there was a plan like that. That's cool. Mm. Um, so I, I guess moving on from Holden to the next character, who I think we should talk about while we're talking about Holden, uh, which is Debbie, mm. um, who is you know is is only really in the story um, to sort of further Holden's story. Yep. Um, I don't know. Debbie never really clicked for me. I don't know what it was. I saw I, I saw the the point of her in in like episodes one and two, where she kind of met Holden, broke him out of his shell a bit and and started steering him in this direction of, of psychology and and then from then she was kind of included just to highlight how he was changing and <laughs> I, I guess it was it was sort of maybe for me it was just sort of so clear where it was all going that he was changing and their relationship wasn't working for most of it i just kept questioning why they were still together and i, I don't yeah. know there was something something about her character that just never really clicked for me i i didn't dislike her character but it did demonstrate to me uh, another uh, serial killer trope that is exhibited by Holden, I guess, which is just that he's not good at having relationships with women. Um, yeah. And, and that was very clear in his relationship to Debbie, where he was never really a very good boyfriend. <laughs> and it was kind of clear that they weren't going to work out just because, I don't know, he just, he just, they, they just never seemed to have chemistry, you know? Yeah, you're right. That was definitely something I picked up on as well. Like it, it. I never really believed their relationship, and I, I agree with you that I think, I, I think a lot of that may have been intentional. Like, like well, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's disbelieving their relationship. I think it's seeing what their relationship is. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They they obviously had a lot of respect uh, and admiration for each other, but it's it was kind of clear to me watching it that it was just kind of like these two people you know you don't have to be in love to start to be in a new relationship but it was very clear they just didn't click with each other huh yeah well in the season i'm not sure exactly how long it's meant to like go over but you know it's at least months maybe over a year yeah um and you know the relationship goes from like a kind of nice honeymoon phase to just feeling like it's not working quite quickly and they just sort of struggle through it for a very yep. long time Kind of only like really, I think the reason the relationship survived as long as it's, as long as it did is probably just because Holden was traveling so much. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have a chance to confront each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So uh, moving on to a more positive note, someone who kind of had the opposite effect on me uh, was Bill. Yeah. So Bill Tench. I think an episode or two in, I was very 
uh, you know, unenamored by the, Bill's character, uh, and that kind of quickly reversed the more we saw of him. Um, it, it was painful to watch the sort of old stereotype of a cop who's trying to be a good soldier and, and is tanking his family because he refuses to communicate. Yes. Um, but that was, you know, in a way that I think the show wanted me to be frustrated by watching that plotline. Like, it's, yeah. it's a trope for a reason. It's, it's kind of, you know, it gets under your skin. Yes, um, he, he definitely has that kind of conservative view of masculinity, which is it's all yes. about I have to bear the load of this family and make, you know, and it's it's that kind of noble but uh, dangerous idea, you know? <laughs> yeah, noble noble but stupid. Uh, and, yes. like, everyone, everyone tells him so, and... Um, it kind of takes, there's this one scene, I think it's like in episode eight, where he kind of finally breaks down and uh, like kind of yells at his wife, but you, and you can tell he he feels bad that he yelled at her, but she's just glad he's finally fucking talking to her. Yeah. Um, and, and there's mentions of therapy around then, and I kind of got the impression that on the DL, he'd maybe started doing stuff like that, because mm. there's, there's a huge turnaround in his attitude and kind of mental health uh, from there. So I think maybe he's... He finally overcame that, but just wasn't quite advertising it. I um, absolutely love Bill. He is my favorite character by far. <laughs> and I can't comment too much because it's a little blurry for me what is season one and what is season two. But God, he's just so great. I just love him so much. <laughs> he's, um, so, so like one thing, Wendy isn't introduced till episode three or four but she yep. and she doesn't properly join until about episode five and and so the show's really driven by just holden and bill's relationship uh for most of the first half of the season and it's it's very good like their dynamic particularly in the first couple of episodes is great uh bill's like kind of just reluctance to engage in holden's keenness it, it was a very fun <laughs> dynamic like holden was such this boy scout like let's go and do all the stuff and and bill's kind of tired old no fuck you i'm going to play golf um was was simple but effective and then yeah. it made that moment where he finally stands up for holden to shepherd uh the the boss at the fbi like even more powerful yeah yeah i i think bill is very grounded and a, an old school cop but one who definitely is there to you know elevate the world right and he he, yeah. he is kind of noble and that's the thing i like the most about him is he's slow to change but he is very noble yeah yeah exactly and and you know he has those moments where he seems to he does seem to change because he realizes that you know some of his old ways aren't good and that that's very endearing obviously yeah definitely um and so then yeah i guess the other the other big character is wendy carr mm-hmm. uh so played by anna Korv from fringe which yep. i don't know if you mentioned in the um prescription, i can't remember but... if i did or not but she's great she is so yeah. great in the show and uh, the the casting in the show is excellent yeah um and, and very very different character though she played in fringe as well um like showing off her range here i as I said, we've already touched on this. I love the third dimension she brought to the, uh, the yeah. dynamic of the behavioral sciences team. Yeah. Um, in saying that, I don't feel like we've really dived into her character much yet, like because she only came in halfway through the season. Like, there's a, there were a few things that were established. Um, you know, obviously she leaves her um, like long term girlfriend from the looks of it. Um, uh, to join this team because she sort of believes in how right it is and, yeah. and that's sort of a, a a bit of a trend in this team is is putting the work before your personal life yeah um and then like apart from that all we really kind of see of her on a personal level is this cat she's starting to feed so that hasn't gone anywhere yet but i'm expecting it will in season two <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah wendy is an interesting character because she is defined by her 
a kind of reclusiveness, right? Um, she's, yeah. she's uh, gay and very protective of that fact because she, I think, quite rightly knows yeah. that the the more people that know about it, the harder it will be for her to work in what are already difficult conditions as a woman in the FBI, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and like, given... Given a lot of the, uh, you know, talk we see from the FBI in this show... Uh, yes, assuming, she's 100% right. Yeah, yeah. Assuming that they're going to be very homophobic, I think is spot on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you, you're right. Like, she is a very private person for very sort of understandable reasons. Um, but, yeah, like, I guess I'm interested to see more of her because I loved the way she interacted with Bill and Holden, but I... At the same time, I, I haven't gotten enough of a feel for just her as an individual yet, I don't think. Mm, yeah, fair enough. Um, well, you will see more of her in season two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we've gone over all the main characters, so I can kind yep. of just say, man, they're all so good, right? Like, this is, of course, a show that is driven by the strength of its characters, and yeah. they're all so compelling to watch. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd wholeheartedly agree with that. Like, that was what really drew me in. Uh, for this was the the core characters and kind of following their journey uh, having serial killers be a part of it is is some nice dressing um, but <laughs> like you're not here for the serial killers you're here no. for the for the personal lives of, of these three yeah definitely definitely um i guess something something i feel like we should address i, I don't know like i noticed a number of people in in our discord talking about this show mentioning how beautiful it is and the cinematography and mm. stuff I, I don't tend to notice that stuff. I, I'm not an v- overly visual person, I guess. Um, so there are a few moments where I was like, oh, that's really cool and, and that's a really nice shot. But it maybe j- just because of my personal inclinations didn't affect me as much as other people. But like, um, I guess that's a, that's a point that should probably be brought up because it seems everyone else does. Yeah, I guess the thing to touch on for that for me is this is a show that is... Uh, obviously quite slow and deliberate. And I think a key part of that is the atmosphere that the show cultivates, right? Um, and not just, you know, obviously the uh, the tension and the atmosphere and the interactions with the serial killers like Ed Kemper is, you can taste it, right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. very, uh, uh, you know, it, it works very well. But even in other scenes, you mentioned uh, the scenes where uh, where Wendy is you know, interacting with this cat that is in the kind of laundry room of her of her building. Yeah. Um, and I can, weirdly, of all the scenes in the show, her in this basement kind of with this hole in the wall kind of above her head height is one of the images I can picture so clearly. And I think that's what makes this show so great is even in the, you know, the serial killer stuff is, is good, sure, but put that aside and the parts of the lives of these characters outside of this are captured in a way that is so atmospheric and so, you know, ca- captivating, right? And I think that's in part due to the cinematography and just the entire experience. It, it yeah, it, it really, <laughs> it drains your life and focus into this story. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because like, while I may not be consciously aware that a lot of this stuff is there and is like affecting me, like it, it still does, you know. Um, like as you said, there are certain scenes like I can the the original scenes with Ed Kemper where Holden first goes into the prison are yeah. kind of seared into my brain. Yeah. Um, and I'm not versed enough in 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 sort of you know film study to know why that is, but like it's surely stuff like that because i can i can remember like everything about that scene the use of silence as well as music and everything yeah. like you know it's 
yeah like i'm sure that stuff is still there and you're right like the evidence of that not not being able to consciously process it is just how there are a bunch of scenes that i can picture so vividly yeah yeah i i don't think that's just the cinematography but i think it's one of these you know tools in the tool belt that make it yeah again work so well yeah um so yeah i mean i guess that's 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 sort of everything I had to talk about. Like I, I, I did I did really get into this show. I think maybe it suffered a little bit um, because of our format. There was a bit of it was one of those situations where I was running a bit behind and did kind of have to force mm. myself to watch more than I naturally would have to mm. try and fit the season in the two weeks, which is a bit of a bummer because like I want to watch things to enjoy them, not not because yeah. of a not because of a time limit. Yeah. Um. But this isn't the first thing that's happened to. And um. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Like I I really enjoyed it, but there's also since since having finished it, you know how some things just stay in your brain for, yeah. for weeks after you watch it? I don't think this has been one for me, and I'm not sure why, because I very much enjoyed it at the time. Mm. But then it's one of those things where when I'm not watching it, it hasn't it hasn't stuck in my brain like like other things. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of get that vibe as well. I don't think maybe there it will stick in your brain more from the second season, because I think the second season is even better than the first season. But you're right. I, I can't quite put my finger on it either, but you're right that it, it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything that I think is, you know, incredibly transformative, you know, as a show. Yeah. I think it is incredibly well made, but it is... Absolutely. And it's a, a very captivating story and, and all of this stuff, but it, you're right that maybe it's because it's not doing anything viscerally different. Yeah, yeah, that might be it. Because, yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's very solid, but I just noticed that it was one of those shows where when I wasn't watching it, I wasn't sort of thinking about it all the time. Whereas there have definitely been other things for this podcast where you know, every second I'm not watching, reading, or, or listening to it, I'm still sort of thinking about it. And, yeah. and while I so enjoyed this, it didn't have that same sort of captivating my life uh, feeling that some other things have had. Um, yeah. not, not really a negative, just kind of something I noticed. Mm. So with all of that in mind, Elliot, what what do you give Mindhunter on a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah, so I think for season 1 I'm going to go with, with an 8. Okay. Um yeah, like I I really enjoyed this. I'm definitely going to be watching se- season 2. Um and yeah, like yeah, I, very 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 solid like as we've sort of touched on. Um, Plus serial killers, they're just they're, they're weirdly <laughs> engaging. Yeah, you just get into that that Holden Ford mindset, don't you? <laughs> but yeah, hey, respectable. So uh, that was Mindhunter. Now for something completely different. Let's talk about what we're going to do next fortnight. And uh, I know we make this joke every single time, but thanks, Scott, for sitting there silently while we recorded that episode. Hey, no problem. It was really hard not to speak up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you did good. You did good. Um, those of you <laughs> who don't know, Scott is uh, one of the... Uh, I guess one of the original letters that create the Doof brand, <laughs> so that's fun. That's true. Um, I'm the I'm the first letter. Yeah, the best one. Therefore, I guess. therefore the best. Yeah. First in the Don't word, first alphabetically. <laughs> so um, yeah. Uh, anyway, Scott uh, Scott Daly from a bunch of Doof podcasts. Thank you for coming on. Um, yes. What have you, um, what have, well, I just yeah. I just I just want to jump in quickly and 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 do Scott's job for him and say uh, Kingslingers is is his latest. Oh show. yes. Everyone should go check it out. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember when this thing we're recording right now is airing, but we're probably a few episodes deep into that by now, and it's going great, I can confidently say. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think yeah. uh, episode two will come out the same day sure. as this episode. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that is our podcast going deep into Stephen King's Dark Tower series uh, that, that Matt and I are doing, and we're so excited about it, and it's going to be great. So if you like Stephen King and the Dark Tower, 
you should listen to that. And even if you don't, you should read it and we'll teach you why you should like it. So is that... I have just I've just started reading to to keep up with the podcast and I can't wait. Awesome. So is that what we're here to talk about today? You're gonna to prescribe us some Stephen King? <laughs> no, no. That would have been a good uh, idea though. Oh man, synergy. It would, been, it would have been really good synergy. Because there's actually a lot of good Stephen King adaptations uh, that have been made recently. So maybe a future episode will mm. do that. Um, but t- today I am here to bring you the 1979 sci-fi horror film directed by Ridley Scott, Alien, the first in the, there's like six now, of the Alien series <laughs> of movies. <laughs> and I, so the reason I, should, I, should I tell the story, Elliot, or is this too embarrassing for you? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I'm getting used to it. So, so Elliot, uh, we do some bonus content uh, for uh, some of our patron supporters at Doof Media. That's patreon.com slash Doof Media. Um, and one, <laughs> of, one, of the things, <laughs> one of the things we were doing is Elliot uh, was doing a, a run of the video game Alien Isolation in VR. And Elliot was playing the game and talking, streaming to, to our patrons. And I was listening in. And it became very apparent to me that Elliot didn't know anything about alien (laughs) and that's a a movie or a game that kind of follows the not the plot but the the style of the alien movie very closely and i was shocked to learn this because i honestly just assumed that literally everyone on the planet had seen at least the first two alien movies but then i was told that neither of y'all have which is (laughs) it's just crazy so i thought (laughs) alien is one of the best I would comfortably put it in one of the top 10, maybe 15 movies of all time. It's it's one of the absolute best horror sci-fi combination type movies. Um, it is incredible and wonderful. Like Ridley Scott as a director, I have a very mixed opinion on, but this is undoubtedly his best work by far. It is, it is a really great movie and it is frankly absurd that you guys have not seen it. Um, one of my well, favorite- I should, I should preface this. I actually, I, I have a bit of experience with the series beyond uh, playing a video game I was not prepared to play. Um, <laughs> I have seen Prometheus. Uh, yes, me which... too. <laughs> <laughs> I think we saw it together, actually, Ruben, yeah. maybe. Um, that, so... that makes me so mad. <laughs> um, I do not like that movie at all. Uh, yeah, I, I did yeah. not enjoy it at, at the time either. It was, it was a bit of a mess. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is all the ways in which that movie is terrible is this movie is incredible and what i mean one of the things that i'm most interested from the two of you is like how much you know about this movie already having not seen it because i feel like alien is just like such a cultural presence like i'm assuming you already know what the alien looks like you yes. probably know how it works generally yeah i'm I pretty know, sure i know its entire life cycle i know the babies come out of your chest because obviously that that happened to uh john hurt because he went on to play doctor who so that was a big joke in the <laughs> fandom when that happened um mm-hmm. I also know the alien looks like a honey jumble, which I think is an Australian biscuit. As I'm saying it, so that probably means nothing. <laughs> what? What I, the hell? I, I'm pretty sure I've. What? I'm pretty sure I've watched like a 30 minute YouTube video about um, HR Giga. I think was it who designed the alien? Somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not not just the alien. A lot of the like a lot of the aesthetic of the uh, cosmic horror side of this movie is right out of right out of Giger's imagination. Mm. Um, it's it's really remarkable, actually. Yep, it's it's just so creepy and wonderful. I love it. Yes, I'm looking forward to that part of this movie a lot. Um, and also, of course, I know that the alien has a long-standing rivalry with the Predator, presumably, but I've never <laughs> seen that either of the Predator movies. <laughs> we so. don't. 
we 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 don't pretend that those that ever happened. <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about that. Okay, okay. No, we don't talk about that in the in the alien fandom. <laughs> it's okay. okay. That one's non canonical. You have to know the the star of this movie, right? Yes. Yeah. This is to. this is obviously big Sigourney Weaver. Um, yeah. Historical, yeah. like you know, impact that mm-hmm. she had on that. Um, yeah, yeah. She kind of defined I... a, a science fiction archetype in this movie, right? Yes. Like all of the yeah. other. Uh, I'm thinking of. I think it's um, Galaxy Quest that is. Well, that her was her. Thing. Like I think we we specifically in our Galaxy Quest episode mentioned how great it was to get Sigourney Weaver to play uh the the sort of bimbo s character in the <laughs> yeah, show yeah. um despite having not actually seen alien even though we knew that that's what they were kind of <laughs> yes. inverting there yeah yeah totally um i i, I can't wait to talk I, I have a lot to say about her performance in this movie and what she does and and just like all the characters in this movie are really really interesting um obviously th- this is this is a horror movie it's about people fighting against this big scary alien but the things it's doing with the characters the kind of science fiction it is i think that's one thing that i i'd like y'all to keep in mind as you're watching this movie that this was 1979 um star wars had come out not too long before this Mm. but people didn't make science fiction the way this movie is made um it's very dirty and grungy it's like very working class like this is this is a blue collar uh ship this is not like this is not a, the military. This is not, um, you know, like sleek two thousand one, a space odyssey type of science fiction, and it's so fascinating. So um, keep that in mind as you watch it. I mean, one of my favorite movies is Blade Runner, which is obviously not not far off this one in terms of time, and mm-hmm. you know, different obviously, but like I I think I think I'm going into this expecting expecting something similar in the way I'll I'll see it defining a lot of stuff i've seen since i guess yeah 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 i, I think that would be extremely fair yeah um yes <laughs> so yeah i'm trying to think i'm trying to think what else i know i actually i know i know like we obviously know sigourney weaver plays ripley um and i know thanks to alien isolation that the ship is called the, the nostromus something like that the nostromo Ah, oh, close. Is the name um, of the stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. close. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I actually don't really know the general plot. I know there is an alien. It's horror, so I assume, like, <laughs> I assume, you know, the alien is attacking them. But, uh, I yeah, I actually don't exactly know what to expect from the plot. Okay, great. I, I think I think you're going to be like the one thing I think I think about this movie is it is definitely a movie from the 70s, but I think it's a movie that has aged remarkably well. Just the look of it, mm. um, the the style of filmmaking, like this won a special effects Oscar that year, and uh, it still holds up. How many years later is it now? God, it's so so many like 40, 40 years later. Wow, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I think it is one of those movies that stands the test of time and and works on you in that same way. So I think it's important and and uh, genre defining in its day, but is one of those ones that still stands up today as well. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I think the only Ridley Scott things that I've ever seen are Prometheus, which I didn't enjoy, and something one of my favorite things that we've talked about on this very podcast, which is The Good Wife, which was. Um, well, executive produced by Ridley Scott, right? Yeah, well, that doesn't count. That yeah, just means I, he put his name on it. I think, uh, I think, I think Ridley and um, one of his brothers maybe were were the the funders, and then yeah. that's why that. Um, so that gives me. He a obviously, scale I mean, of... he did. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a wide berth. <laughs> well, yeah, and and the thing that Ridley Scott was more closely associated with Prometheus was the one I liked a lot less. <laughs> so let's see. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, obviously, yeah, as, I mean, as I said, Blade Runner is one of my favorite movies, and that's obviously another. Sure. That was his next movie, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm very much, I'm very keen for this. Great. Well, I can't wait to hear what you guys think. I assume you're going to absolutely love it, and we're not going to do any more of this nonsense 7 out of 10 that you gave my last movie. So. We'll see. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be back in a fortnight to talk about it, and we'll see what we thought. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back then. So, yeah, I guess in two weeks we'll come back to talk more about Alien. Um, but for now, that's the end of our show. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you want to give us your thoughts on Alien, if you're watching it along with us, or, hey, on Mindhunter, why not? Uh, a great place to do that is by tweeting at us at MediaMDPodcast on Twitter. Uh, yes, uh, if you can as well, leave us a, a rating and a review on iTunes, yeah. Stitcher, um, podcast provider that you use. Spotify. Uh, yeah, because that, <laughs> that, you know, that tells them that you like it and then they'll tell other people that they should like it. Yes. And it's all a big sort of MLM scheme to spread the podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of uh, leaning on your comments, if you want to uh, get in touch with us uh, about a thing that you'd like us to check out or just comment on the show in general, uh, there are a few ways to do that. You can send us an email at mediamdpodcast at gmail.com or if you head to mediamd what is it, mediamdpodcast.com, you can actually leave us a little voice memo that we'll uh, include on the show as a little prescription for something. Yeah, we've actually uh, just received a couple of those. So yes. uh, we might be doing some more, uh, you know, patron-based, or not even patron, just listener-based prescriptions. Uh, we, we did our first one with the cabin pressure, and that was a big hit, so yes. we're excited to do more. Yes, definitely. I've finished that since uh, since we did the episode, so I'm excited to talk about that more uh, in the future, at a, yes. at a later date. Um, now, you mentioned Probably Patreon. Probably July. Yeah, exactly in July. Um, you mentioned Patreon, Elliot. How can yeah. people get on board with that? What is it? Explain yeah, it to um, me. <laughs> uh, I'll just talk around it. Um, yeah, no, yeah. So if you head to patreon.com forward slash do for media, that's where you can support MediaMD, uh, Kingslingers, which we just talked about yes. with Scott, um, all of Scott's other shows, uh, all of, you know, do the right thing and, and our other show, Deep Impact. Um, n- none of these shows would exist in the format they do without the patrons. Yeah. Um, that, like, that's 100% a true fact. Yes. Um, saying it like that made it feel like it's not. It is, though. It is, um, 100%. <laughs> um, so, yeah, go support <laughs> us in any way you can. Uh, there's a bunch of tiers. For the for the $1 one, you're not only getting access to the Discord, but you're helping us reach our future goals. Um, so, Kingslingers, uh, Scott's... Scott's new show is the result of people just signing up to the patron yes uh by interesting coincidence uh one of the other doof media podcasts the Doofcast, is currently doing a long-running series where they deconstruct each of david finch's films um i think they're one in and we're about to do maybe zodiac or seven one of the two uh really big crime uh ones that definitely inspired uh mindhunter in a lot of ways um yes. so that's fun go go listen to that why not yeah, so, yeah, and as we sort of already touched on with Scott, the one that we've already covered is Alien 3, so there's, there's lots of Alien content for you out there right now, uh, as well <laughs> yeah. as David Fincher content. Yeah, um, it's, uh, yeah it's great. Um, so all of that stuff we mentioned, uh, you know, the Twitter, whatever, uh, contact us, the Patreon, all that good stuff, you can find on doofmedia.com, uh, which is also the new home of all of the clues for the Media MD ARG. You can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD and why is he so creepy? Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Soup. Soup. And we'll see you next fortnight.